Father, it has certainly been our intention to bless the name of Jesus today and to acknowledge who you are as our Heavenly Father as well. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father, for your patience with us, your people. Thank you for the privilege that we have of being your church, of gathering together in assembly like this to encourage and strengthen one another and to receive from you. Thank you for our Bibles now that we open on our laps and And Lord, as we review together these great historical accounts, may we be careful to have minds and hearts that are receptive to you and your word, to allow you to take your finger and probe our hearts, and through the convicting power of your Holy Spirit to challenge us, to teach us, to convict us, Father, may we be humble in heart this morning as we receive the word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your good hand upon us for another week. Thank you for your mercies that were new again today. Thank you for the sharpening effect of your word now, and we receive it well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's not Monday and school, it's Sunday and relaxation day, and I imagine that you're, like most on a Sunday, you just want to take it easy and let your mind relax, and maybe watch a little football, but I want to challenge you to take a quiz with me as we begin, okay? We're not in school, we're in church, but here's a little quiz to get us going and get the wheels turning. How's that? First one's multiple choice, and there's only two to choose from, all right? Choose A or B. God regularly uses me in obvious and significant ways. A, when I think of myself, God regularly uses me in obvious and significant ways. Or B, God rarely, if ever, uses me in any significant or noticeable way identifiable way. Got it? Choose one or the other. Number two, true or false? Don't you like those, Billy? 50-50, man. True or false? I have a strong sense of anticipation that God is right now preparing to use me in some significant way. True or false? As I think about my life and I think about who I am before the Lord, I have a strong sense of anticipation that God is right now preparing to use me in some significant way. True or false? Number three, 
True or false? Actually, God is pretty quiet in my life right now. True or false? Fact of the matter is, true or false, God is just pretty quiet in my life right now. Number four, and this is another multiple choice question. If God were to make a clear call to me to an unusual, even humanly impossible task, all right, now the multiple choices, let me repeat the preliminary phrase again. If God were to make a clear call to me to an unusual, even humanly impossible task, A, is it A, I am ready to respond like some kind of a spiritual Paul Revere and the Minuteman team? Or B, I'm not going to respond. I like the way my life is right now, and I just soon God leave me alone. Or C, nothing to worry about on this one because the odds of God using me in any special way are essentially 0%, largely because of my bad decisions of the past. A, B, or C. Did you get it? And now one more, no right or wrong answer. 1 to 10, scale of 1 to 10. 1 is... Very weak. Ten is very strong. I would rate my usability to God right now at, put a number down. One is very weak, not very usable. Ten is very strong, very usable. I would rate my usability before the Lord right now as Well, I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 17 as you continue to ponder the quiz questions. In Genesis 17, you need to know that as we encounter Abram again here, that he might be like many of us this morning. It's with this sense as we encounter chapter 17 that it seems that God has been pretty far away in my life. It seems like There just isn't a whole lot happening spiritually. God's not doing much. God's not making himself very clear to me. I don't feel like I'm amounting to too much spiritually. And I think as we approach Abram here, this is his mindset. You need to realize, and as we pick up our passage, we're going to read chapter 17 in its entirety. We're going to pick it up with 1615, verse 15 out of chapter 16. Because you need to realize that there is a tie between the end of chapter 16 and going into chapter 17. You know the chapter divisions are not inspired of the Holy Spirit. But chapter 16 is going to end with a comment about how old Abram is. And chapter 17 is going to begin about where he is in his age at the beginning of this phase. Let's read it and follow along carefully. And it's quite an interesting passage Some interesting concepts introduced here. And I think as we read, you need to realize that as this chapter begins, Abram has been in somewhat of a spiritual dry time in his life. Verse 15, chapter 16. So Hagar bore Abram a son 
And gave Abram, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. And when Abram was 99 years old, okay, 13 years has passed without comment. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. And Abram fell face down. And God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. And I will make you very fruitful. And I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. And I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you. And your descendants after you for the generations to come. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And the whole land of Canaan, where you are now, an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. And then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are, to go, you are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. And Abraham fell face down. He laughed and he said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. And he will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. And on that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael, and all those born in his household are bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. And Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. And Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on the same day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised 
with him. Well, what an interesting passage of scripture with just a lot there. I found out in the early service that we're only going to make it halfway through the second point today, okay? And uh, then we'll pick it up next week. So if you want to know all about circumcision, more than you ever wanted to know, come back next week, all right? But it is fascinating. What is this all about? And you know, to help us get a grip on our passage today, I've divided it into three parts. Let me share them with you so that you can understand kind of our strategy of attack here today. First of all, out of this interesting passage of Scripture, as Abram now is about to encounter the specific reward of the blessing of God through Isaac, and all, everything's going to change in Abraham's life, first thing we want to see in this passage is, number one, the name of God. The name of God. There's some interesting reality here focusing on the name of God. The second thing I want us to see out of this passage, chapter 17, is I want us to understand about the man of God. Abram has now become Abraham, and he's God's man. He's God's man of blessing and through whom the world will be blessed. So we want to look at the name of God. We want to look at the man of God. And then we're not going to uh, get to it today, but we will then pick up with the mark of God next week. The mark of God. What is this circumcision all about? What does this mean, that this mark of the covenant? And why is it so important for them to forever remember to carry out this physical marking on their male children. It's kind of interesting stuff. Well, first of all, let's put ourselves in Abram's shoes now. He's still Abram for our sake as we begin now at the beginning of chapter 17. And let's think about the fact of what I said. We've had this bridge, this gap of time, 13 years. And for 13 years, I think that Abram has been struggling. Lord, where are you? Lord, you've promised me a people. You've promised me a place. I thought it was going to happen through Ishmael. And I think it's very interesting that as we bridge from this 13-year gap where there's nothing happening, we move into chapter 17, and we have no account, really, of those 13 years. It says in 17.1, when Abram was 99 years old, then it says, the Lord appeared to him and said, Abram, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I think it's very important for us not to just brush over the introductory remarks of this chapter. I think there's a specific reason that God focuses on his name at this point. You'll recall from a few weeks ago that just above in chapter 16, do you remember when Hagar was out in the desert and when she was struggling so much? Remember when God came to her, what did he say to her? Hagar, I have seen you. I have heard you. I am El Roy. Remember my middle name? I am El Roy, the God who sees. All right? Listen, there's a lot in these names of God as they begin to be introduced to us as in our Old Testament studies. Abram is struggling. Obviously, the biggest thing that's been going on in Abram's life is what? Since Hagar and Ishmael came home and he was just a baby, and now he's 13 years old, Abram's just been trying to hold his household together. That's what I would imagine. It appears that that's been basically a desert time in Abram's life. It's been a time where he hasn't heard from God. It's been a time where maybe in his ponderings and as he's been about his chores and as he walks and as he works, he's pondering, Lord, three or four times you've told me I'm going to become a great nation. You've told me three or four times I'm going to possess a great land. Lord, is it Ishmael? And as he looks across at Ishmael, okay, Lord, There's Ishmael. He's 13 years old, Lord. He'll soon be a man. Lord, Lord, why don't you just take Ishmael? Why don't you just take Ishmael and make of me this, fulfill this promise, make a great nation out of Ishmael? 
But God has a plan, doesn't he? And God doesn't work the way we work, does he? You ever get impatient with God? Have you ever noticed that almost always we want things done quicker than God does? That God is at work. It's always, we're always opposite, aren't we? We always want to, want to move when God is just kind of has us on hold, teaching us, growing us, preparing us. And then there's those times when God wants us to go, and what do we do? We dig in our heels, right? I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. No, I'm not going to say that. Interesting, isn't it? And I think that it's very important to notice in this passage that as God comes to Abram with basically ready to kick it in gear, okay, Abram, my time has come. Okay, Abram, right now, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change your wife's name. Sarah's going to be pregnant. We're going to go with the child of promise. My plan is going to be implemented. It's going to happen. Just as I said, even though for 13 years you've been wandering around here wondering whether or not I'm awake or not. And so God comes to him. And what does he do? The first thing he does is he talks about his own name. Abraham. Abram. I am. Did you get it? I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. El Shaddai. We can get a lot out of the names of God. You know that the word El means the, the great one, the mighty one, strong one, strong one, power. Put with Shaddai, it's always translated into English, the almighty God. You see, what part of what Abram needs right now is he needs encouragement. Abram's probably, in an essence, filled with doubt. Yes, he's believed and it was counted. He knows God's going to do something. It's still twittering in his mind that it's going to be Ishmael. He just can't imagine that a 100-year-old body and a not with a 90-year-old wife is going to perform up to the standard to produce a child. Abram, I'm El Shaddai. What's God saying to Abraham? Listen, our problems are only as big as our God is small, right? Abraham, Abraham, I'm El Shaddai. I don't care if you're 100 years old. I am the Almighty One. I am the one who can accomplish these things. It's interesting to note in the commentaries that uh, there's a, a, a couple words that come together here for this El Shaddai, this name of God. Some emphasize the idea that Shaddai has a, a word in it that's like a mountain. That God is the great mountain. Look, Abram, I'm unmovable, I'm unshakable, I'm big, I'm a mountain. The idea of the largeness of God, the power of God, the awesomeness of God. Other commentators, and I think this is probably a, a valid reflection and it seems to make sense... In the Hebrew, the word Shaddai comes from the word Shad. It's a word for, really, the exact word for a woman's breast. The point of nourishment. The point of health and security and growth. El Shaddai, I am God Almighty. I am the one who will take you from your weakness and I will nourish you and make you strong. I will protect you, I will take care of you, I will grow you, and I will build you up. I am El Shaddai. That's great, isn't it? You know, I was thinking, even as I did this studies, I was thinking about how, how we so often forget who God is. 
I was thinking about a similar type concept in the New Testament. These names of God bring out so much nuance. I am El Roy. I am El Shaddai. Do you remember in the, the New Testament picture in the life of Christ, the story where Jesus is with his disciples out in the lake and at night and the storm comes up and where's Jesus? He's asleep in the boat. This is about Jehovah Shalom. You remember the disciples, these grown men, and the storm comes in and it whips them and the boat's turning and, and going every which way and grown men, Lord, I'm going to drown. Lord, we're going to die. And where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? He's asleep. He's going to let us drown. How foolish. And Jesus, they stir him awake. Here's the one who spoke the wind and the sea into existence. And just with a word calms the sea, calms the men. What is wrong with us? tell you what's wrong with us. We have, we have an elevated view of ourselves. We rely upon our self-strength and we don't have a big enough view of God. A.W. Tozer says that the most important thing about us is what we think about when we think about God. You have big problems? You got a little God. Oh, El Shaddai! El Shaddai, I'm going to drown today! El Shaddai, my problems are too big. How utterly foolish. No, it's El Shaddai, right? Big problems, little God. You know what Abram needed right here in his life? Look, Abram, you may have been floundering. You may not feel like God is at work in your life. You may not feel like anything of significance is happening. So let me reintroduce myself to you today, Abram, with one of my new names that you've never heard before. It is El Shaddai. I am the Almighty One. And I can make this happen. I think that's very significant to start with the name of God. Let's look at the man of God in this passage and I think that it's notable that in this passage, we're going to find four qualities in Abram that emulate for us, that model for us the kinds of qualities that are in the person that God can use. You feel like God never uses you? You feel like nothing ever happens in my life? You feel like you're not the kind of person that God can use or will use? then maybe these four qualities are worth looking at in your life. We're going to get through two of them before we stop. And let's look at the man of God. The name of God, he's El Shaddai. Now this man of God, Abram, let's look what he says. And the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Now listen, I have a request, he says. I want you to walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram, I am going to do this. And here's what my requirement is for you. For me to work through you, I need you to be blameless. Quality number one, characteristic number one for usability in the man of God is number one, purity. Purity. Abram, you've made some bad choices. You know that bad choices always result in bad Results, don't they? And Abram has paid a price. S thinking on his own, self-reliant, little God, big problems, trying to hold his household together, trying to figure out how God's going to work through Ishmael. Abram, I'm El Shaddai. The first thing I want to tell you is, you just walk before me now in blamelessness. 
Just look at me, just be quiet, and purify yourself. I was thinking the other day, when I was looking at this, I was thinking how in Joshua chapter 3, remember General Joshua has taken over the Israelite camp, and they're ready to move into this land that God has promised, what, 400-some years after this at least? More than that. And um, Moses has died, and Joshua's ready to take the Israelites across the Jordan into the promised land. And he sends the messengers all throughout the camp. And remember what he says to them in Joshua chapter 3? Go throughout the camp and tell everybody to consecrate themselves because tomorrow God is going to do great things in you. Today, consecrate yourself because tomorrow God is going to do great things in you. And you know what? That's a little bit what God is saying here to Abram. Abram, I need you to walk in blamelessness. We're ready to go with the plan. I need a usable man. I need a man who's going to walk in obedience. I'm calling you to this level of purity in your life. Be blameless today so that tomorrow you will see El Shaddai unfold his plan in your life. You know, a lot of us never get to tomorrow and seeing what God is doing because today we don't consecrate ourselves in purity. And the mess that we have around us and the dysfunction of our lives and the lack of godliness in our homes, the lack of, of proper Christ-like mindset and thinking, there's, there's just a lack of purity. You can't say we're blameless. And so God just waits on us. And we think, what's going on here? And a lot of it has to do with taking step number one, for the man of God, it's purity. Look at the next thing that happens. And Abram did what? And Abram fell face down. And God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you, and you'll be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, for your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I think there's a couple things there that are interesting to comment on. And one is... As you read through this, and we go, you know, every so many weeks before we get back at it here lately, it seems like. But this is about the fourth time now that God has repeated this promise. And for us, as we sit down and read the passages, we, why does God keep saying this over and over again? Well, the main reason is, is that great, pretty big gaps of time have gone by. For example, since the last time God has said it, it's been at least 13 years since God has reminded Abram of his promise. And Abram, as he walks, sometimes in strong faith, sometimes in lapses of faith, he needs to be reminded, doesn't he? It's just like us, isn't it? We need to go back time and time again, don't we, to the promises of God, to be reminded of the faithfulness of God. And this is El Shaddai just telling Abram one more time, Abram, I said it, Four times already, I say it again, this is what's going to happen. And that's why the repetition there. But I also think it's interesting, when God changes his name from Abram to Abraham, maybe you have a footnote in your Bible, have you noticed, Abram means exalted father. All right? Exalted father. Abraham means the father of many nations, or the father of a multitude, the father of many yeah, I can picture Abram going, Abram going down, changing his name to Abraham at the DMV. Yeah, and the girl looks at the card and, oh, okay, going to change from Abram, all right, yep, to Abraham. Oh, you're the father of many. How many children do you have? Oh, I have one. 
you changing your name to the father of many and you have one kid? Yeah. Uh, my wife's going to be expecting pretty soon, but I mean, just think about this. It's almost like, you see, God is setting the stage, isn't he? And Abram is entering into it. Romans chapter 4 says that he never faltered in his faith. There it is. The second quality, though, that I want to look at is at the beginning of verse 3. We notice in, in the end of verse 1 that God, El Shaddai, says, Walk before me and be blameless. Quality number one, or pre- prerequisite number one for usability for the man of God is purity. The second quality or characteristic of the man of God Chapter 3, the beginning of the verse, is humility. Notice Abram's response. He fell face down. El Shaddai comes and speaks to him, and Abram doesn't go, Hey, old buddy, old pal, what's happening? He doesn't have this, like, like we struggle with in the church today, this, this dumbing down of God concept where God is my old pal. And I can high-five with God. No. Always in Scripture, when there is a genuine encounter with Almighty God, what happens? Boom! He's understanding that this is El Shaddai. He is the Almighty One. And I am a maggot. I am nothing. I am in the dust. What an appropriate response when El Shaddai speaks. And I think of some of the people that God would have used at greater capacity, but they couldn't get this point down. They couldn't get purity down, and they couldn't get humility down. Think of Samson, for example. God would have used him at great lengths, and he did use him even in his dysfunction. He couldn't get down his purity act, and he couldn't humble his heart till the very end. And we have that tragic picture of this blind hygienically filthy Samson down in the basement asking the servant boy to take him upstairs and put his hands on the pillar and committing suicide to slaughter the Philistines. Purity and humility really, really matter in the person of God, don't they? I was thinking of Isaiah 66, 2b. Isaiah 66, verse 2, second part of the verse. This is the one I esteem, says the Lord, He who is humble and contrite of heart and trembles at my word. You know, I think there's a couple reasons why some of us, when we take the quiz, we basically would say, actually, God's just pretty quiet in my life right now. And this is no magic wand. It's not going to make you into, you know, Daniel, Joseph, Abram, one of the great patriarchs, one of the great men of God necessarily, but God is looking to work through faithful servants who understand that he is El Shaddai. He's the Almighty One. It's his agenda, his plan. He can do it. And then he's looking for people of God who are committed to purity and humility. It is the humble person that God will use And it is the wise in their own eyes that he breaks down. I think we're going to just end right there. That makes us equal with the early service. Let's just think a little bit here as we wrap up then. We've talked about the name of God, El Shaddai. How about you today? 
Are you like Abram who's been trying to take shortcuts and scale back the plan of God and figure out a new way to do things and getting in debt to do it because your God just isn't big enough? You know, I don't know what God wants to do in your life today, but I do know that it would certainly be good for all of us to have a whole fresh new view of El Shaddai. Amen. The almighty God who will take care of us. He will sustain us. He will grow us up. He will meet our needs. Abram's got a shriveled up old body and a shriveled up old wife, but El Shaddai changes everything, doesn't he? You've exhausted your resources. You don't know where to turn. You don't have anything to offer. Looks like you're really strategically placed for El Shaddai to kick it in. So then that switches us over to the man of God, right? Are you blameless, walking in purity? Are you on the ground in humility? God resists the proud, James says. Let's be careful not to be arrogant, self-willed, thinking that we're in control, thinking that we have to solve the problems. Some of us need to back way off, don't we? And we just need to settle in and let El Shaddai be God. Let's bow in prayer. Well, Father, we are admittedly weak people. And yet, Father, we are prone to wander, prone to leave you, the one we love, to rely upon self-strength, to draw from our own resources. We're really good at digging our ditches deeper. And so, Father, would you, through this incredibly relevant passage today, even though it's ancient, remind us through Abram that you are El Shaddai, and that you've called us to be blameless and to be pure and to be humble. Father, may we be careful to get our eyes off our problems and get our eyes on you, and may we see you begin a work like we've never seen before. Bless us as individuals, bless us as families, bless us as a church, that we would enlarge our view of you, minimize our view of the problem. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience. Help us, Lord, to wait upon you, recognizing that you have a plan and you will unfold that plan. It's in Jesus' name we pray, committing ourselves to your way and not our way. Amen.